Amen. Great song there, Apple. And as Sprout let us swallow go and talking about leading up to the cross. A great message that we get to be reminded of every day. Amen, church. I want uh, Dale and Pink to come down here and sit on the front row. So I want to pray with these guys because Dale's dad passed away Christmas Eve. So they've got a funeral this week, and I want to pray with them. If you want to gather around, or if you just want to stay where you are, either way, because most of us here have experienced that, or a lot of people have experienced that situation, and it's never easy. It's always tough. So we want to remember Dale and Pink and all their family members. They're getting together today, I think. Dale doesn't know. They'll call him next week. And anyway, making arrangements for this tough decision. Holy Father, thank you for being our God. And Father, since you are our Father, you, you know, you understand. And thank you for understanding. And thank you for being a God of comfort, the God of understanding, the omniscient, all-knowing, and God, as you, and I pray that you surround this good man and his bride, Pink, I pray you surround them with uh, all your compassion and mercy from morning till night. And God, that they get to remember, remember how valuable life is and how valuable their dad was. And God, the memories that they have. God, be with Dale's mom, be with his siblings, all the nieces and nephews, all the grandchildren. And God, as they go through this tough time, I, I ask that your name will be glorified, that you will be honored, and all of us reflect on the brevity, the shortness of our life being just a vapor. And God, we want to honor you with our lives. Take care of Dale and Pink and help them, God, to know that you love them deeply. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. Dale will let us know as to when that event, but we may not. It'll be here, but we don't know when. We may not be welcome to show up. And I'm not saying that out of just for the family, I'm sure. There may not be room for the rest of us, just for our protection and everyone's protection. Thank you, Dale and Pink. Now, there's another lady, I don't see her. Her name is Michella, Michella. Her uh, sister passed away a couple weeks ago, and I failed to recognize that. And I think it's about a couple of weeks ago that her sister passed away. We're going to look at Joel chapter 1 and some of chapter 2. Some of you guys have a pickup. Some of you people have known people that have a pickup. <clears throat> and you've probably, been, uh, known, you've probably been known to pack that pickup with trash and you're going to haul it to the dump. You're going to haul it somewhere. And what I love about packing that pickup, I pack more in that truck 
then she'd go in there. So I'm driving, I'm cruising down the road pretty fast, and so what am I getting rid of? Getting rid of my trash. So I'm cruising down there, holding on that steering wheel, and I see in the rearview mirror, and there's cars behind me. What are they doing? They're dodging. <laughs> I can't do anything about it, and you and I have been driving enough that we'll find people that have lost limbs. They've lost items, haven't they? And they don't stop. <clears throat> One of my favorite events took place, and just picture with me on Interstate 244. Heading east, I've got a mattress and a box spring in my pickup. I didn't tie them down. I'm cruising, and so guess what happens? I lose my mattress. But where I'm cruising, there's no way to turn out, pull over. Traffic is going how fast? They're rocking and rolling. And so in my rearview mirror, I'm watching people go around that mattress, and then I see people drive over that mattress and bounce around, and they're cruising all over the place. And so I finally find a place where I can pull over. And I'm standing there along. I said, how am I going to get back down there? Because there's only, you know, we're talking two or three miles that I've got to get back down there and get that mattress pulled off the side of the road. <clears throat> So I finally get a place where I can pull over, and I'm standing there, and some good man pulls up beside me, and he says what? Hey, you lost your mattress. <laughs> I've already enjoyed watching everybody dodge and drive over it and do all that kind of business. And I said, hey, thanks, but I've still got to figure out how to get down there because where it's laying in the highway is not a safe place. Because people are going 70 plus miles an hour. And so I've got to get out there and I'm standing on the side of the road. And I've got to run out there and grab that thing. And I'm not strong as Big Bad Billy Bob. And I can heave that thing, hit that thing up there. I didn't have Roger with me to say, hey, you get one side and I'll get the other and we'll get it across. So I've got to do some dragging to get it across there. <clears throat> but I get her done. And then I deliver that mattress and box springs to a family. You think I told them the story? <laughs> Said, this mattress is broke in. <laughs> Have you noticed that's the way our life is? Sometimes, <clears throat> now our friends and our buddies and our brother and sister in Christ named Stan and Lois Barnett, they've got a rearview mirror about like this. I'm, I'm exaggerating. It's about like this. It's a big one. And it's good. Once you see that thing, once you get used to it, because most of the rearview mirrors are not very big, are they? Their rearview mirror is large. But how many times in our life have you and I, that's how we operate in rearview mirror? We look in at our what? Our past. And then somebody says, You look nice today. And what do we say? I, I feel awful. I love your new outfit. I love your, how you're fixing your hair. Oh, yeah, and then we'll. Hey, your shoes look nice, man. You shine them. What's the deal, Apple? You shine your shoes. What's the deal? And then we'll say, then we'll put ourselves down, don't we? We know how to do it because where are we looking? In the rearview mirror. How many times have we said, that's the way I am? 
And why do we say, that's the way I am, because where are we looking? In the rearview mirror. Instead of looking what's happened on the cross, as Sprout mentioned to us there a while ago, you know, all the way up to that point. And who did Jesus have in mind for us? All the way to the cross. And all the suffering, all the hurt, all the pain, all the heartache. And how they treated how they spit on him, and how, how they cursed him, and, and the nails in his hands or his wrists, and the nails in his feet, and the nail in his side, and, the, and a hole in his side, and all that blood. And when they took Jesus down off of the cross, his body was limp. Why? Blood's gone. He's dead. He paid the price. And a beautiful part about that is they laid him in the tomb, and they rolled that stone. You know why they rolled that stone in front of the, of the tomb? Jesus didn't need that stone in front of the tomb, did he? That didn't keep him from what? Being resurrected. And then what happens? And the only reason they have that, and the only reason they move that stone is for the witnesses to see that he is gone that he is risen that's the only reason they moved that stone so all these people could come by and they could gawk like me and you would have rubbernecking as we look in that rear view mirror and we notice that all the trash is back there and I want to encourage us today use the rear view mirror as a lesson, as a motivation, to how I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. <clears throat> now, Shonda bought me breakfast this morning, so I asked the lady at the counter if she checked the weather. She said, how do you know? She knew what I was talking about. I don't think I said check the weather. I said probably said the word. She said, how do you know? She said, that's the hardest habit I've ever tried to break. That's the hardest habit to break. How's that work, Billy? You know why? Where are we looking? Where am I looking? I'm looking in the rearview mirror. And I remember and I dropped that ball. And if I'd have caught that ball, that was the end of the ninth inning, Scott. And the game would have been over, but I dropped the ball, and the, and the runners keep on what? There's two outs. And two outs, what are the runners doing? They're running because they don't have to worry about tagging the base because their goal is to what? Get home. And they're going to get home, and they're going to run. And if that guy catches it, if he drops it, whatever, I'm going to what? I'm going to do mine. I'm not going to look in the rearview mirror. And the coach is not going to holler at me and say, Hey, baby, why didn't you run? Because I was looking where? In the rear view mirror. And how many times that we turned our head? How many times that you and I, and maybe it happened to you. I know Rue experienced this one time when the bus had stopped. Ask her the rest of the story. Wonder what would happen if she bus stopped now while she's driving old blue. She'd scoot on under these that bus and keep on going. 
But what happens when somebody stops in front of us and I'm distracted, remember the three Ds? I'm distracted because I'm looking in the rearview mirror. I'm distracted by something. And then what happens? How many times do we see rear-end collisions? And we say, how'd that car end up over there? How'd they end up over there? How'd all this happen? How fast did it happen? That fast. Now, Dale and Pink and their family members are thinking about, that's our life. The brevity of our life and how quickly that it happens. You know what's fun to do? It's fun to talk about somebody else's mess. It's fun to talk about somebody else's mistakes. But when they're talking about my mistakes, talking about my stuff, then, then I have guilt. Because where am I looking? In the rearview mirror. But as long as it's talking about your mess, as long as it's about you dropped the ball, mountain man, you didn't tag that guy. You didn't make your block. I talk about your mistakes, but I talk about, hey, what would you do the second inning of the ball game? And we had bases loaded, and you stood there and watched it go by, and you never swung the bat because he's looking. Well, you struck out before, and so in your mind you're getting up there, I'm just going to strike out because I'm looking where? In the rearview mirror. I want to encourage us to erase that trash. Erase that trash that we deal with. Joel chapter 1, verse 2, as you see on, your, on our outline and also on the overhead. <clears throat> Hear this, you leaders of the people. Listen, all you who live in the land, in your history, in all your history, has anything like this happened before? Joel is coming along, and he writes this book, and he's warning them of the doom of the nation. Have you ever heard anyone in your conversations, and you ever heard anyone talk about the doom of our nation? You ever heard that conversation? You ever had that conversation, and we talk about the doom of our nation, where our nation has lost its way, and our nation has lost its way, and, then, and the Lord sends plagues. He sends locusts. He sends drought, and he sends fire. Years ago, World War II was winding down. A small community in Texas had a large school. School caught on fire. 225 children die as a result of that fire. After the World War II, boom, population increased and they build a brand new school. So guess what's the number one thing they're going to put in that school? Sprinkler system. They're going to have the state of the ark. They're going to have the best sprinkler system in the entire world. And they're going to pay whatever it takes. And all the community people are gathering together to get it done and make sure the money is no issue and everybody gets together. They get that school building built. The students are, are, are having hall walk people through the hallways and showing this beautiful, I mean, it's magnificent school, and they're bragging about it, and we've got the state-of-the-art sprinkler system. Time progresses, and they need to add on to the school building. So they add on to the school building, and they make that new addition to the school building because the population increases the school district. 
and they add on to the school district. And they have a new sprinkler system and a new addition. And they hook it all up. Guess what they find out? The previous system was never connected. You know anybody that's not connected with the Lord? And they don't get it? How many people are not connected? And then we got the system. God gave us a system. He gave us a cross. He gave us his life. He paid the debt. Apple and I heard a story by our friend Dale Brzee. And he talks about Joseph of Arimathea, wealthy member of the Sanhedrin. A guy by the name of Nicodemus. Is that his name? He's a member of the Sanhedrin. He's wealthy. He comes to Jesus by night because he wants to say, how can I enter my mother's womb the second time? How can I be baptized? How can I enter the second time? And we never know of the record of Nicodemus being baptized into Christ. But guess who's there to, to remove Jesus off the cross? Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea and a fellow by the name of Nicodemus. Now, some of you have been there, and I know Roger was there when his mom passed. How did Roger treat his mom? How did you treat your loved one, Shirley? When that happened, because you was there, how did you treat your loved one, even though their life is gone? How did you treat them? You talk about a huge gentleness and compassion, and they, hey, how did they move, remove those nails in Jesus' wrist? How did they do that? Did they just jerk his body off of there and just tear the body? No. Now, here's the question that Breeze asked us. Because we're all a member of the body of Christ, amen? If you're not, and we want to be, and we should be, and we get to. So how are we treating the body of Christ since we're the body? You gathered around, and you loved and encouraged Pink and Dailene. Why? Because they're members of the body. Because they're precious and they're valued. Because the last time this happened, Dale was standing right over there against that wall. How long ago was that, Dale? And there was a casket right here. And he's standing over there, and everybody was wearing what color? And it was just a blur when that happened, wasn't it, Dale? Pink. Now here, here we are again. Joel, Joel says, you guys have wandered away from God. Verse 3, tell your children about the years to come. You know what the problem was that Joel's addressing them? Their refusal to repent. Tell your children about it in the years to come and let your children tell their children. Pass the story down from generation to generation. Remember, we've got locusts and we've got drought and we've got a fire has come to the land. Notice verse 4. After the cutting locusts. The cutting locusts, they cut into the leaves. And they eat the leaves as much, and, then, and they eat as much as they can, and the leaves fall to the ground. Then we see finishing, 
finishing eating the crops and the swarming locusts. You know what they do? They come up and clean up the leaves on the, on the ground. They're cleaning up the mess that the, that the cutting locusts had made and took what, what was left and then came the what? The hopping locusts. And they clean up the surviving swarming locusts and then the last one the stripping locusts and they cut all the way to the bark and really that land looked like a bunch of bamboo trees no bark no nothing just bamboo trees and during that time all of those locusts are dropping eggs in the ground so what's going to happen a couple of years later more locusts going to crop up all over that land in verse 7, it was destroyed by grapevines and ruined by fig trees, stripping their bark and dropping and destroying it, leaving the branches white and bare. It's just like a huge machinery coming across that land, and you could see swarms, swarms of locusts for hundreds of miles that they traveled. And, <clears throat> and those locusts were so dark that they blocked out the sun. But you could see them coming for hundreds of miles, and those locusts would swarm the area and cover the ground, cover the earth. And all the reason why, because the people would not repent and come to him. Verse 17, because you see, guys, this isn't about the locusts. It's about life. Isn't that true? That's, a, that's how our life is. In 17, the seeds die, the parts ground, and the grain crops fail. The barns stand empty, and granaries are abandoned. I remember the first time that I walked into my first silo. The silos where these dairy farmers would have large 14, 15 wide, 60 foot tall, various in sizes. But that silo would be packed, and they'd pack all that wheat in there or some other crop they're putting in there because they got machinery they're going to pull out so they can feed their cattle. And they store it all up. But what happens if they don't take care of the silage inside the silo? And then you feed bad food to the cattle. What's going to happen? So you're going to take care of your silage. You're going to take care of your, your silo. You're going to take care of your crops. Because you don't want bad, you want good because you're going to feed them the best. Verse 17, <clears throat> the barns stand empty and granaries are abandoned. Verse 18, how the animals moan with hunger. The herds of cattle wander about confused because they have no pasture. And the flocks of sheep and goats bleed in misery. Remember, we've got locusts. We've got drought, and we've got fire. Verse 19, the Lord help us. The fire has consumed the wilderness pastures, and flames have burned up all the trees. <clears throat> it's as if the Lord is bringing the people to their knees, bringing them to their knees, and that divine discipline, and all the time that the people had lived before God, they had not been brought to their knees because they refused to repent and they refused to come to him. <clears throat> you remember Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, for all have sinned, what's the rest of it? And fall short of the glory of God. 
Verse 25, the Lord says, I'll give you back what you lost to the swarming locusts, the hopping locusts, the stripping locusts, and the cutting locusts. It was I who sent this great destroying army against you. You remember in Ezekiel, excuse me, in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 10, where Moses talked about the plagues and all the plagues that come because a stiff-necked, hard-headed hammerhead by the name of Pharaoh, and he refused to repent. Aren't you glad we've never been hard-headed, stubborn, and refusing to repent? It's sad. It's sad when we say, that's just the way I am. And as I stand by that casket, I'll say, that's the way he was. But then God says, what? And God gives us a chance. Number one, we've got three principles. Number one, Joel 2, 12 and 13, start. We can start immediately. Notice verse 12 says, that is why the Lord says, turn to me. What's the next word? Now, while there is still time, give me your hearts. You see the key word? Give me your what? Give me your hearts. Come with fasting. You know what the fasting does? I'm focused. I'm focused on a cross. I'm not focused on me. Come fasting, weeping, and mourning. 13, don't tear your clothing, your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful, compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not perish. Number two, return. Return. God says, give me your hearts. Number three, repent. We can start today, start now. We can return, we can repent. Blow the ram's horn in Jerusalem. Announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Gather all the people, the elders, the children, even the babies. Call the bridegroom from his quarters and the bride from her private room. Verse 17, let the priest who minister in the Lord's presence stand and weep between the entry room to the temple and the altar. Let them pray. Notice the next line. Spare. Spare your people, Lord. Don't let your special possession, hear that? Special possession become an object of mockery. Don't let them become a joke for unbelieving foreigners who say, has the Lord of Israel left them? The last three words in Psalm 27 in the message says, Stay with God. Stay with God. Today, that's the question. Are you with God? Don't let the locusts don't let the drought, don't let the fire, don't let the possessions destroy you. Let's stand and sing.